0: The Fresno Focus Radio Hour. This is the No Focus Radio Hour. Comedy and insight from the greatest minds in Fresno. A Lito Mine Media Production. That's right. This is the No Focus Radio Hour, the number one podcast in the Central Valley. Thank you for listening and telling a friend. The No Focus Radio Hour is available everywhere podcasts can be found, including YouTube and your home smart speakers. Remember to subscribe and leave a review. It helps others discover our show. And while you are reviewing, keep in mind that five stars is the correct. Number of stars. If you enjoy our show, please share it with your friends, and if you hate it, share it with your enemies. Check out our site, nofocusradio.com, for exclusive content and to vote on Don's polls. Find us on social media. Our handle is at NoFocusRadio. You can find the rest of our shows at LightOmindMedia.com. Take it away,
1: Eric. Be with you, you know it's true. But I know just what I got to do. Hoo-hoo. Gonna hit the ground, run it, run it, run it, run it, as fast as I can. Gonna hit the ground, run it, run it, run it, Gonna find out who's singing the bass. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> All right. That's
0: right. This is the No Focus Radio Hour, the number one independent podcast in the Central Valley made for those who live in the Central Valley, for those who miss the Central Valley, for those who long to live in the Central Valley and for those who for those people in the Central Valley who missed stupid asso in the last episode. That's Right. As always, we have our beautiful cast of characters, but guys, we got to keep it short because we have a very special guest on the show. We have with us Eric the Doorman. Hey, Fresno. I did miss you, Stu. Thank you. Thank you yeah. very much. We also have with us Mr. Marty Asshole.
2: Hey, rehab was great. I'm glad to be out again. <laughs> I heard you fell in a well. It did. You know, it was an uh, information well. You know, oh. when you do a show like this and you have to research all this information after a while, it just gets too much. Got it. True. And I needed to take hole. a break mm-hmm. and do some things with my family and just oh. kind of, you know. Gotcha. Got it. Be You're away right. for a while. I apologize.
0: We also have, as always, Mr. Don. Schlicks.
3: Yes, and it's good to have uh, Marty back. I missed you last week. I had to sit in your chair and try to absorb mm-hmm. your uh, pheromones stooness? that were left in your... Yeah. Is that, it's that what yes. Yeah.
0: I missed him so badly. Hey,
2: and behind the board, we have the one and only Johnny Knobs. That's right.
0: You have Mr. Johnny Knobs, also known as Max the Boss. You guys know why they call me that, right? Uh, we know Max the Boss today. Why would we call, call you Max the Boss? My parents <laughs> named me that. I yeah. was Corn okay. Cobbs and all that yeah, my- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have with us a, a very special guest today. He, You might know him. I knew him from the uh, billboard growing up on really? near Tarpy Village, right? Oh. Off of. Uh, did he, Clovis. did he live under it or something? It or? On Clovis, Clovis and Ashland. Clovis and Ashland. It's a big billboard, wow. and I always knew that guy. That guy. I always knew him. Um, but he is a Fresno County native. He is a member of the Fresno County Board of Supervisors. He is a former mayor of Clovis. Wow. He has a master's of science in criminology, a master's of business administration. Yeah, he went to Fresno State He is a licensed general contractor, a licensed lead inspector, an energy management and building performance specialist. In 2001, he was elected to the Clovis City Council. He has served as a youth pastor, a legislative aide, and a California legislator executive director of a non-profit of affordable housing developer and energy director for the Fresno Economic Opportunities. But now he is running for Congress, Mr. Nathan Magsig. Yay! Thanks for coming on the show. Right. Hey,
4: what a welcome. Look at this audience. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And by the way, I'm only 45. With an introduction like that, it makes me sound like I'm very old. Yeah. I've been I doing it say, for a hundred wow. years. You know? Yeah.
3: Well, so thank you for being on our show. We are super Grateful that you would come into our little silly podcast and talk some serious issues with us. Um, we know that you have been involved in politics for a long time. You are running for a seat in U.S. Congress. So we're going to ask you a, uh, a hard-hitting question right off the bat. Um, buckle up, folks. Nathan, what is uh, your favorite local restaurant? What are some of your favorite local restaurants in Fresno?
4: You know, I have several favorites uh we need to start with lunas oh, and Old yeah, Town yeah. Yeah, classic so yep. if, if you like eggplant parmesan mm-hmm. uh, lunas has some of the best so every mm. time i go i only order a half order of it because yeah. if you order a full order oh, you're going to yeah. be taking some home
3: oh yeah that's so. true about lunas it's uh, it's well priced and it's it's lunch for the next day because yeah. they give yeah. you so much. It's awesome. You get a good portion um, there. Yeah. I uh, quick That's story. Really
0: quick story about Lunas. I had a a business associate of ours was in town and he has uh, come to town a couple times. He lives in uh, Chicago. He was in town a couple months ago and he I said, Hey, where do you want to go eat? And he said, You know, I want to go to that old. That old school Italian place, like the one that reminds me of a place that somebody would do a mob hit in. I (laughs) said, Luna's? He's like, that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: awesome. All right. Well, uh, Max did a great uh, introduction for you there, but um, I want to talk a little bit, uh, and we'll all take chances. Uh, yeah. Chances, take chances. turns asking you <laughs> questions. Take our here. Chance. Your yeah. chances with your questions. I'm nervous now. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you are running um, for uh, you know representation to represent District Five, and uh, tell us a little bit about that district. Where does it reach, and what are some of the important issues that face? Um, district five that you're hoping to
4: you know address and sure so california has just gone through a redistricting process and so all of the old congressional district lines have been eviscerated Mm. california's gone from 53 house seats to 52 because Mm -hmm. other states have grown more than us so Mm -hmm. we had to give up a seat so the congressional district five seat includes north fresno Eastern Fresno County, but not Clovis, but it includes uh, half of Aubrey, Shaver, Huntington. It includes Hume Lake, which you know very well, Justin. And then it moves north from there. So it includes half of Madera County. It includes Mariposa County. Um, It includes Amador County. It includes Calaveras and Tuolumne Counties, El Dorado County, and a big chunk of Stanislaus County. Wow, Wow! The hub of this district is stanislaus county because roughly 38 percent of the population is found in that region alone for congressional district five wow
3: people wow. don't realize Jeez. maybe listening how big of a state california is and right. the area yeah. he's describing is massive yeah that's a crazy one of the districts yeah that's crazy
2: because um, cool. one of the things when you, you hear Nathan talk, um, Nathan Magzig talk about the things that he do he does, a lot of politicians just, you know, stay in their office and they don't do anything. And he's out doing things. Like during the Creek Fire, you were very instrumental in um, organizing and also, you know, doing actual live broadcasts from the, the disaster. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, all of us will never
4: forget September 4th when that fire started and, it uh, uh, We have fires in the Sierra every year, and we've just got tremendous amounts of fuel. And so my office is contacted whenever there's a new fire. And so I was given a heads up that there was a small fire uh, burning just outside of uh, Camp Sierra. And there was an initial airdrop on this small couple acre fire, and it was knocked down to about an acre, and there was a hand crew that was sent out there. And so it looked like this fire was gonna be put out. But then, I think it was around 10 or 11 o'clock at night, that fire had exploded to 500 acres. Um, And the call went out that that, uh, Camp Sierra had to be evacuated. And then they began to look um, also to Big Creek because Big Creek was right in the line of where that fire was moving. And they started evacuating Big Creek that following morning early and uh, from there that fire grew 25,000 acres in, in 24 hours. And all of us remember it jumping the San Joaquin River and then and then burning uh, through and, and threatening a whole bunch of uh, Madera residents, and mm. the fire destroyed a lot of homes uh, around uh, Huntington Lake. And so for me, my phone was ringing off the hook because so many people are asking, did my home make it? What's going on? You know, uh, we have no ability to go up on the mountain because they began shutting uh, and closing roads. And so um, I decided I needed to go up there and provide information to the public. And so sometimes I would do as many as six live streams yeah. uh, through Facebook and Instagram a day just to get information out to the public.
2: And that's really amazing, because that's unusual in a lot of our leadership today, because they're more stand back, let other people do it, but you're actually more hands on. One of the things I noticed in the ads that you play for your, you know, your run for Congress, you talk about forest management, and that's extremely important. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so a lot of people don't
4: realize that when when they go up to, to Shaver or go up into the Sierra, which is a huge region, right now our forests are very unhealthy. And part of the reason behind that is because we have been putting fires out for over 100 years also um, loggers have uh, a lot of mills have been put out of business and a lot of loggers are not going up into our forest to thin the forests so a combination of that on top of the fact that we've had extreme drought from 2010 to 2015 yeah. right now we're in a mini drought too that has allowed bark beetles to come in and since the forest is so overgrown you don't have enough water enough nutrients trees get stressed. Bark beetles come in and kill trees. Mm. And so in Fresno County alone, we've got 26 million trees that have died. Mm. And that is as of the end of just Fresno County. And that is as of the uh, the end of 2019. Um, In a region from El Dorado County down to Kern, there's over 190 million dead trees Mm. that have died. So for me, good forest management means that we need to be good stewards of the land. We need to be thinning the forest for the animals, and to make sure that these large growth trees, we've got the giant sequoias in Fresno County yeah. and Tulare County, some of which are thousands of years yeah. old. These trees are being threatened too. Yes. So if we want to have any kind of a forest for our kids, we need to be actively managing our forests, bringing the fuel out of the forest and doing everything we can to get them back to how they used to be 150 years ago.
3: You bring up a good point. The uh, I feel like the people who argue against forest management are often doing so because they... Uh, Our environmentalists, they claim, but they it's it's what they want is the reason that our forests have become so unhealthy. The even if you just think about what does what do plants and trees need to thrive? They need water. They need sunlight when it's so overgrown. There's not enough sunlight hitting the, the forest floor, you know, and then when these fires go through. How are those animals doing that you're claiming to protect? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. what's happening to their homes right now? So
1: Well, I was gonna say too, in, in your opinion, do you think that, that that's why that creek fire got so out of control so quick like that? Was that part of it? Or
4: without a doubt. So one of the one of the reasons why that fire spread so quickly was because of the amount of fuel, the fuel load that we had on the forest floor, and conditions were just right. It was very dry, hot, mm-hmm. the winds picked up. So as soon as that fire got away. Um, It it wasn't going to stop and it ran right up a mountain and, uh, the the following two days, we saw fire activity that we've never seen before in Fresno County. Fire tornadoes yeah, were forming that, yeah, that were ripping that. trees out of the ground. Some trees Jeez, that were a couple please. hundred years old, torching them and then laying them over. That is we also there was a pyrocumulus cloud, which is basically a huge smoke cloud that formed that went up tens of thousands of feet into the atmosphere. And there was so much energy from the fire that the cloud began to freeze mm-hmm. and it continued to be forced upward until it got so heavy it collapsed on itself and when that happened it was like a bomb going off um, up around the huntington area just spreading the fire Mm. even further but again the the fuel what it takes to really have a fire you need oxygen you need an ignition source and you need fuel and so right now we need to take away one of those things we got to be clearing our forests out there's so many dead trees these trees are just waiting to go up Mm -hmm. in smoke whether it be from a lightning strike whether it be from an arsonist Uh, whether it be from an accident. And so we have to be in our forest uh, so we don't have more creek fire like incidences in the future.
3: Yeah, because if nothing's done, it's just this is going to be a yearly catastrophe, you know. It Uh, almost is already, actually, every year. It's fire season, yeah. Um, What can be done with those old trees? Obviously, cutting them down, but can that wood be reclaimed at all?
4: You know, some of it can. So uh, a lot of the beetle kill trees that are out there, you've got about two years once uh, a a tree is uh, girdled from the beetles. And you begin to see like the top of it turn yellow and so uh, you see some of this wood being used at different restaurants Trelio Mm. in Old Town Clovis has used uh, if you look at their tables the tables there's like a blue hue okay that blue hue really indicates that it's a beetle kill tree Ah. but it's great that we have restaurants in um, Fresno County that are reusing a lot of these trees for for something good Mm. so you've got about two years to be able to reclaim that wood for Uh, Furniture or other things. But after that, really the only thing that tree is going to be good for is to generate electricity at a biomass plant. But even doing that, it's better than allowing that tree to burn in the forest because, uh, again, these uncontrolled fires are producing a tremendous amount of pollution. And at the end of the day, the fires burn so hot that it even kills the bacteria in the soil in some cases.
2: Now a lot of the fires in the forest are almost like living things. It's like you're battling a creature. And um few people understand the dynamics of it. And so there were some unsung heroes during the creek fire and you mentioned one of us one of them to us before, can you talk about the, the fire chief?
4: Yeah, so uh, Cal Fire Chief Mark Johnson at the time was in charge of the Fresno Kings unit. And uh, those those guys were deployed. And because in 2020, there were so many fires burning across the state, we only had, I think uh, uh, over the course of the first couple weeks, at uh, just a handful of crews, maybe 1,000 or 1,500, mm-hmm. and we need triple, we needed triple the amount mm-hmm. of forces because of the size of that fire was growing. But on about the third day, the fire was burning down from the Huntington Lake area, coming down 168, and it was threatening the Shaver community. And uh, uh, Chief Johnson recognized that if he did nothing, that fire would burn right through Shaver Lake and that community would be lost. And so he made one of the gutsiest calls in the Creek Fire, and that was to set a backfire and allow that backfire to burn towards the, the fire that was coming down 168 from Huntington towards Shaver. So... He met with the guys and he said, look, I could be making this call from command post, but I'm going to make the call right here with you guys in Shaver because if we set this backfire and the winds don't cooperate, our backfire will be what destroys Hmm. Shaver. But there's no other option. And so they lit the backfire. The weather uh, cooperated. The winds cooperated. That fire uh, burned right towards the fire. It was coming down 168. The fire was split. And when you go up and look at Shaver, you will see that and if you're able to see it from the air, the fire literally burned around Shaver, but didn't burn through it. And it was a gutsy call. It was the right call. And, uh, you know, the chief isn't going to talk about some of these things he yeah. did. I got to witness some of this stuff. And so I sing his praises. I sing the praises of Cal Fire. The firefighters from the U.S. Forest Service, our sheriff's department were all up there making sure that nobody lost their life. Uh, unfortunately, we lost 850 structures, but we could have lost thousands. Yeah. But because
1: of their efforts, so much was saved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like You say that that's a story that you just don't hear. You know, you don't you don't hear in the news about that. And, and I, th- I think we need more men like that to make mm-hmm. those kind of gutsy calls mm-hmm. just for everything going on right now. You know,
0: uh, Nathan, I kind of tying into I know this ties into the uh, uh, the creek fire as well as forest management. But I know. Um, with the valley having a lot of water issues as well, um, I know that there's a lot of, I've had this discussion with a couple people and I've explained how, as I tried to explain, how forest management and kind of thinning out the forests actually can help with um, water as well increasing water and watershed can you speak a little bit about that absolutely and you bring up a
4: fantastic point so when we manage the forest properly you have um, less um, living trees shrubs plants that are fighting over not only nutrients, but water. And so this is water then that now makes its way into streams, into rivers, eventually behind dams. And this is water that can be used not only for the environment, but for farming and for um, cities and counties. Roughly one third of the water needs of California come in the form of snow and rain in the mountains. And so taking care of our forests is so critical to making sure that the water that we need gets to the valley floor. Mm -hmm. So, and two, these fires, when they burn through uh, and they take away all the living uh, trees and shrubs, when all that's taken away, you now are prone to having mudslides and a lot of sedimentation makes its way into our watershed and can contaminate it. And um, uh, our dams are impacted too because all the sedimentation can build up Um, within, behind a dam, and it makes them less efficient. So forest management is so much more than just uh, preventing pollution in the air and taking out these dead trees. It's also about water management too. So uh, they're connected and people forget in California, we've got 33 million acres of forest. Last wow. year, the biggest fire that burned was the Dixie Fire, and it burned a million acres alone. Right. And last year, we had dozens of fires that burned um, in the forest. The Creek Fire burned three hundred and eighty thousand acres. So mm-hmm. something has to be done soon, and we're not going to have
0: uh, much forest left. Now, in when, what is really stopping California? Is it lobbyists? Is it environmental groups? Like, what is the big force? You know, when when these facts are laid out, you know, there it's not hard just to you know look up tons of scientific journal articles that explain how forest management helps in terms of uh, reducing drought, helping watershed, helping uh, reduce um, wildfires. And yet it's still, I feel like, uh, when you talk to certain people, it's like talking to a brick wall, is that how it is when you're speaking in uh, political circles as well? Or is it really like lobbyist groups that are blocking this sort of stuff from happening?
4: You know, so I'll tell you that... Um, Right now at the federal level there's something called the Endangered Species Act that's being used as a weapon to stop good forest management. Oh. And there are interest groups that are out there that really want to keep people out of the forests altogether mm-hmm. for one reason or another and they claim that, you know, they're trying to save trees or they're trying to save an animal like the Pacific fisher, but at the end of the day when you have these massive fires because of the fuel load, yeah. everything dies. Everything dies yeah. And yeah. right now there are lawsuits um, that have been filed and are being fought in court to stop the U.S. Forest Service from putting fuel breaks in uh, because they claim they're trying to protect, in this case, the Pacific Fisher. So the spotted owl, the yellow legged frog, other animals and species have been used to stop a lot of this forest, forest thinning activity that needs to happen. So what is the solution? I've just laid out a big problem that we have. It's education. Because as the public educates themselves on what's taking place in the forest, they will be outraged. And politicians fear the electorate Mm -hmm. being outraged. And so really, we need to educate more people. And I would encourage folks to do their own studies, their own reading, take a look at the condition of our forest right now. But for me, that is a top issue, especially in District 5, because District 5 uh, covers a large chunk of the Sierra Nevada region Mm -hmm. where a lot of these problems exist. Yeah,
3: you bring up an interesting point. I talked about people being educated and it reminded me of like medieval times where they would burn people for being witches because they're getting <laughs> sick from their well or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I feel like, OK, so much information is available in our pockets. But I feel like we've gotten uh, less informed or well informed just because everybody's opinion is out there and you're only reading TikTok or whatever and people are yeah. less informed than they used to be, even though we have the world of information yeah. in our pocket. It's it's strange. And, and it's like uh,
1: one stream of ideas. If you go if you go against that or say something different, yeah, all of a sudden yeah, you should be burned at yeah. the state. Right? So, like so I'm gonna I'm gonna
4: throw so, I'm gonna blow your mind right now. So a lot of people um, fossil fuels are the enemy oh, of we've many talked different about groups this a lot on the so show, yeah. i'm going to share something with you right now do you know what the number one contributor to greenhouse gases is in the world and it's not fossil fuels
3: Cows? Max, Max nope. environment guy. The Max. number
4: one contributor, and I will show you a, mm-hmm. science, uh, tific art, a scientific article well, on this fires, uh, here right? shortly, is our forests mm-hmm. because of the condition they're in. And actually, um, our forests right now are estimated to contribute 11 gigatons of pollution into the atmosphere alone, which is. Something like hundred and twenty-five percent more than what foss- all the fossil fuels in the world oh. combined now, are, you talking are fires? contributing. No, I'm talking um, when when trees die. Well, the fires, yes, that's included, yeah. but not only that. When trees die in our forests and they begin to degrade, okay. they emit mm-hmm. greenhouse gases too. Oh, okay, we yeah. And our forests are in such an, an unhealthy uh, condition right now yeah. that there's a ton of greenhouse gases being emitted in mm-hmm. our forests. And if you think about it. You know, California alone, 33 million acres, but you've got rainforests that are mm. uh, in unhealthy conditions, too, yeah. um, all over the world. And so all these forests combined are the number one contributor to greenhouse gases. Wow. But the environmentalists don't want to talk about that. They want to make sure that that uh, fossil fuels are the main enemy. But if they truly believed in wanting to reduce greenhouse gases, they'd be directly Manage
1: involved the in yeah. managing
2: the forest better. Interesting. Yeah, That's a very interesting point. Mm. And since you brought up that point, we, we were... We talk a lot about clean energy. What's your opinion of clean energy?
4: Well, so I'll tell you right now that uh, one of the best uh, uh, sources of clean energy is going to be hydro, hydroelectric. And if you look at a lot of the laws that are out there, large-scale hydroelectric is not considered a renewable resource. Right. Right. And and um, a lot of the groups out there that have influence in Sacramento are trying to take dams down because they believe that dams are a bad thing. Well. In Fresno County alone, we have one project called the Helms Project that moves water between two major lakes. It's a modern marvel between uh, Helms and Washon. Mm-hmm. That one facility can generate 1,212 megawatts of power in eight minutes mm-hmm. if it's needed. And oh. uh, it is. it was built in the 1980s. It was commissioned. It's huge. Another mm-hmm. modern marvel that we have here in Fresno County is... Um, uh, in in Big Creek, of course, is uh, the hydroelectric facilities in the Big Creek area. All of that uh, began to be built about 120 years ago. And actually, a majority of the power in Southern California came out of Fresno County. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to say even in the 1940s, about 80% of the power in Southern California came from Fresno County Mm. and the Big Creek hydro projects that were put together. So the the roughly seven or eight dams that they have in Fresno County can generate 1,000 megawatts of power. And many of those facilities were built in the early 1900s modern marvel <laughs> we
3: went to lake with sean and i had no idea about this but there's signs that are like oh there might not be water in this lake because it's at the other lake or something i was like wait what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it was it's no incredible kidding, uh- well hoover dams the same way you know they yeah. built that big dam and it produces so much electricity it's uh mm-hmm. it's amazing the, the thing that i was reminded of is a lot of arguments that people are the problem you know like we just got to get people out of the forest. You know, mm-hmm. we got to eliminate yeah. more people. And I truly believe, as in my worldview, God created people to help manage this world, right? Manage the forest. I think people can do more good for the world than they, they claim that we harm the world. You know, without people, it would it would be chaotic, right? Yeah. I mean, nothing would be managed. Well, it's, so. the,
0: it's the same argument of how, uh, you know, it's like we have to uh, only go to renewable, so-called green energy or those sort of things, um, and that we have to stop... Um, building and doing all the things that um, made like the western world the western world and to do that though you're just sacrificing everybody in third world countries because like oh there's too many people and I'm like wait time out like that's not exactly the truth here <laughs> you just sacrifice everybody well, because you think that we're not going to take care of the world yeah i yeah, mean the yeah. same
3: thing you see that in like when the people are against hunting but if you didn't hunt deer at certain times of the year you know that there'd be would be one cause kicking them. our studio door down think right think now yeah. be, no
2: there'd yeah. be too many and then yeah. you'd have all the sick deer and it would just destroy the deer population <laughs> yeah. if the hunters didn't go out and cold. remember the
3: zombie deer plague that was happening
2: yeah i hated that yeah. they were all banging on my door <laughs> i would to eat my brains it was terrible <laughs> um, now do you see some other issues uh besides i
1: mean we got fire and water those are those are pretty big uh, in, in themselves any other issues uh, kind of facing california too. Um, now, is this how many hours do we have? <laughs> yeah. We're, we, we're going to go as long as so you we want. Have, we All have right.
3: Homelessness. We <laughs> well, have
1: let, people <laughs> leaving
3: the state because it's too expensive <laughs> yeah. to make a living. We have businesses playing yeah. so yeah. can affordable housing. Affordable yeah. housing. Okay. Let's talk affordable housing. Yeah. Homelessness. Let's talk housing. Yeah,
4: yeah. 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 All right. Let's let's just dive right in. All right. So <laughs> as I see it, one of the biggest problems we have around affordable housing. Number one, you look at what it costs for labor in this state. It's through the roof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then on top of that, materials we were talking about the forest a minute ago. And if we, if we properly manage our forest, we could have mills operating and have all the lumber we need right here. But mm-hmm. we're relying on other states and other countries mm-hmm. for a lot of our building materials that we have in our own backyard yeah. that are going mm-hmm. up in smoke every year. So again, uh, affordable housing, in my opinion, could, I don't wanna say be fixed, but we could definitely soften the blow mm-hmm. if we just use common sense and we're better stewards of the lands around us. Mm-hmm. And then with homelessness, uh, government is not going to fix homelessness, but government can be a facilitator to help people who, you know, maybe have some mental health issues, uh, help people who maybe have fallen on hard times. But really, I got to tell you what I'm seeing happening right now, we've got a breakdown, um, not only in families, but society is breaking mm. down too. And so I look at how many kids are are growing up in broken homes, how many kids are in foster care. And in Fresno County alone, we've got close to 3,000 kids mm that um, are uh, are in foster care. And wow. when kids grow up uh, in, a, in an environment where they don't know their mom and dad, um, uh, maybe they're being shuffled around from um, uh, different programs, really your identity is damaged. Mm. And so I think a- as a society, we need to recognize just how valuable the family unit is pay a little bit more attention to that and do everything we can to keep families together because the consequences of broken households reverberate for decades. Well,
1: it's like cyclical, right? It just keeps going and going and going. That's the problem. And
4: the
3: scary thing is it used to be people would all agree on that. There's 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 lots of people now who attack the family unit, right? So oh, yeah, the it's, yeah. It's a concept of the privilege nuclear or Nuclear family
2: is becoming yeah, right. very endangered because people attack it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, do you see a lot of that, Nathan? In like, if I'm in like my, I guess, just needs the word worldview and my belief. You know, the family is a very key thing. Nuclear family is a, a very important. Um, uh, part of society, uh, but you also can see there's a lot of uh, political groups, a, a lot of just groups in general that are very anti-family. In fact, I read a an article in the Atlantic uh, by David Brooks, I think like la- maybe last year, and it just the the headline was "The Nuclear Family Is a Mistake," and it's like, do you, which is just in, it's an insane thing to be like in the headlines of massive newspapers, and people are like, yes, this is this is true. Do you see that as I guess how do you how do you I mean you can't solve that just as a person but what is something that you, that people can do Or is that more education as
4: well. You know what so I I actually disagree with you a little bit there is something I can do and I'm going to share a personal story with you. So my parents divorced when I was a teenager and I still suffer from the consequences of that today. And the reason I say that is Uh, How I perceived my parents' divorce, even though they both told me that they loved me, I am a product of my mother and my father. And if they couldn't work out their issues and they had to separate, uh, effectively what they have said is the best parts of them, what they gave to me, um, is not good. And so I, I still struggle with that. But what can I do? So I've been married to my, to my wife for over 20 years. We, we've been together for 25 years. I have three beautiful boys. So what I can do is make sure that my boys never have to experience what I experienced. So if there's inters- yeah. any silver lining for individuals who maybe have experienced something similar to what I have, you know, I'm determined to not only stay married to my wonderful wife, but make sure that my kids don't have to experience some of the things that I did.
0: Sure.
1: I like that. Well, you know, and that's, that's interesting you bring that up because, uh, yeah, same thing. I mean, I have a lot of, uh, friends that we all had parents that got divorced in that uh, day and age and, and, uh, we've all stayed married, you know, we got married and stay married. So I think there's kind of a, a changing trend going on here, you know? So, yeah. Very yeah, interesting.
2: A lot of people don't understand that when you marry, basically you're forming a corporation, but well, yeah. you know, your family's a well, corporation. A partnership. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to go out, earn the money. You know, bring it home and manage the house and make smart investments. And a lot of people don't want that. They just want all the, you know, movie romance and they think it's that like that 24-7. But it's not. It's a lot of work. And people kind of got to realize that marriage is work and they need to work at it because it's worth it and,
1: and yeah. it's work and, and that makes it a beautiful thing yeah. you know and that's where the love comes in I think you know a- after that I mean it's not like you're saying you meet somebody the lust and then after that where's I was like okay what oh, are yeah. we doing now you know I don't know right. guys my wife always tells me I'm just perfect so I ah, know what you
0: guys are talking right. about
1: and,
2: and right. you are she's you lying. are a handsome she's man lying. she's lying no. yeah. so, I wanted to ask our guests an important question because there's a lot going on in the world right now yeah. you notice you watch the news so ukraine's a big problem and i was wondering what um nathan thought about the ukraine
4: so i'll tell you this watching uh what's been happening over the course of the last several weeks absolutely breaks my heart because um when i look at the united states we are a leader in the world but we've allowed ourselves to become weak Mm -hmm. and so um uh, dictators other governments that are out there are allowed to make moves against weaker nations and so in Ukraine, I think the first thing we need to understand is, uh, you know, why is Putin moving against Ukraine? And if you look at Ukraine and what it used to mean to the Soviet Union, the Ukraine has uh, a tremendous amounts of uh, not only food, but also minerals. I think landmass wise, the Ukraine is about 0.4% of the total landmass in the world, but it it, it generates 5% of the minerals, things like gold, Mm -hmm. copper, titanium. Mm -hmm. And so just looking at what's needed for an economy to thrive, you need minerals. Something else too, if you look at the wheat and barley Mm -hmm. and potatoes that come out of the Ukraine, they really are the breadbasket of, of, uh, of Europe mm-hmm. yeah. and that particular region. And so I believe Putin is doing this because Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union. He's doing it for strategic reasons. That, um, that nation is, uh, is critical not only to European nations, but for maybe what Russia wants to do in the future too. So when I look at all of these things combined... I almost feel like the United States is um, very reactionary and defensive in what we're trying to do to stop Putin. And what I mean by that is we've uh, been issuing sanctions, and those sac- mm-hmm. sanctions have been hurting his, eco- uh, his economy. But ultimately, as soon as Putin was lining up along the border we needed to be reacting then not as soon as yeah. he came across That's what the border. He said a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah. and so something right now the the Ukrainian people are very strong. I I was at a rally with uh, the mayor of Fresno, uh, Jerry Dyer about 10 days ago and listening to the stories of people who live in our community who still have family in Ukraine. Mm-hmm they are our brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and so what i'm watching happen right now in ukraine breaks my heart because civilians are losing their life they're fighting against
3: the army yeah civilians so
4: i i will say here in the central valley we need to be mindful of the fact that our freedom and liberty is something we cannot take for granted Mm. because there are other nations who would love to wipe us Mm. off the face of the earth if they they had an Mm. opportunity to do that this region Uh, produces a tremendous amount of fruit and fiber and and when I say this region I mean uh, the Central Valley. And right now, our farmers here are under attack, mm-hmm. too. And so we need to protect our region here. As a as a United States, we need to make sure that we uh, strengthen ourselves. We are so divided. We cannot help other nations until we help ourselves and we, we get more united. We bring manufacturing back here. We stop having all these political fights and looking for opportunities to tear each other down. Because when that happens, it allows for... Um, rogue nations to rise up and really hurt um, democracies and other nations that are friendly with the United States.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, kind of to shift a little bit here, uh, but also along the same lines, what what kind of got you into politics? Now you've been uh, you've been on the city council for how long, Clovis City Council, right? For like sixteen years, or yeah, was on the Is council. Right? Okay. Was on
4: the council for sixteen, and years. and then mayor, yeah.
1: mayor of Clovis, and, yeah. and then now a Fresno County Supervisor. So what what got you involved in, in politics?
4: So. When I was about 16 years old, I was very fascinated by what was taking place in the city of Clovis as well as the city of Fresno, because Operation Rezone was in full swing. And I was looking at what was taking place, too, at the state and federal level. And I come from a line of pastors, and so a lot of people are like, Mag Sig's, you know, Nathan's probably going to be a pastor just like his dad and grandfather. And, uh, but what was pricking my heart at that time was the fact that elected officials uh, are supposed to be servant leaders, just like a pastor is supposed mm. to be of a church. And so I really felt led to move in the direction of getting involved um, in, in politics and looking for opportunities to serve as an elected official as well. God opened doors for me because I do not have a pedigree in politics. And at a very young age, I had an opportunity to go to work for the state legislature. And then uh, at a very young age, at 23, I was running for city council in Clovis Mm -hmm. and got sworn in when I was 24. So again, God allowed these doors to open up. So for me, I believe I'm doing what I was made to do. I love people. I love seeing problems and finding solutions to those problems. I'm very passionate about not only government and politics, but also getting my hands dirty. I've built affordable housing projects. I used to run a nonprofit construction company as was alluded to. So um, I just see uh, people who are involved in elected office as being servant leaders and I get really excited about that. That's amazing. Okay, so I have a couple
3: questions that line up with that. as a Republican in California, um, you're a rare breed. <laughs> um, so, how have you learned to get past partisanship and work with, you know, Democrats? And how can that be taken to Washington? It feels like the two parties are at both extremes uh, of the political spectrum. How do you see them, you know, coming together to get past that partisanship and, and working together? How can that happen again?
4: You know when i think about issues like water here in the central valley um it doesn't matter if you're a democrat farmer or republican uh yeah, farmer uh, you need water just the same to be able to grow your pistachios your almonds to be able to you know to to water water your herd and so i look at uh, i try to see issues and and uh really not focus on focus on the partisanship but yeah. focus on solutions so how do you get past all this i'll tell you I've been involved in local government for over 20 years, and every board and body I've served on, there's been Republicans and Democrats. So if I've been able to balance over 20 budgets in the city of Clovis and the county of Fresno with, right now on my board in the county, we've got two Democrats, three Republicans. But if you watch how we operate, you don't see us cutting each other down. Mm. We focus on the issue and we come up with solutions to those issues. And I want to bring that style of leadership to Washington as well. And so again, in the Central Valley, we only have a handful of Congress people that represent this region of roughly 3 million people. And so... We have to work together because yeah. partisanship does not lead to solutions. It just leads to more conflict. Yeah. All right. Um, I was
3: just going to kind of expand on that just in, in California, you know, and, and the nation. You know, These last couple of years, what we've faced, you know, the fires, everything that we've faced, the pandemic, we've faced economic crisis, political crisis racial justice crisis, I just feel like the country, I just know a lot of people personally that feel very pessimistic about the future, going you forward, know, going yeah. forward. So what makes you hopeful or confident, you know, in the United States? So you talked about it. Can we heal as a nation? Can we come back together and, sh- and have some shared values you know that we go forward with. Like, what's going to heal this divide? How can we start working at that? It's a
4: big question. I know, I know <laughs> that, but I just want to hear some of your thoughts on that. So, what what makes me hopeful? We still live in one of the greatest places on the planet, and if you look across history, if you look backwards at all the different governments and nations that have risen and have fell over time. the the period of time we're in right now, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to abundance, when it comes to the diversity of people we have here, when it comes to our freedoms and liberties, we have a government that is supposed to serve the people, right. not the other way around. Right. They get their power from the people, that's what so it says, yeah. So I am, I am hopeful because I recognize that what we have today is a gift, and it's something that can be lost very quickly. In a generation, I feel like, yeah. yeah. In, yeah. In, in, absolutely in a generation. And so I look at you know uh, conflicts that are going on around the world, and the United States is still a destination country for yeah. many people. And so the reason I'm hopeful is we have not lost the battle yet. Mm-hmm. We are at war, and unfortunately, a lot of that war is amongst ourselves right here. And so, I want to I want to be someone who uh, just reminds people of uh, what this country has been founded on. I want to remind people of the fact that yes, things are difficult today, but if you look across the span of time during the Civil War, um, I, I look at you know some brothers were fighting against yeah. each other one one for the South, one for the North. If you look at uh, just different conflicts we faced during the Great Depression, during World War II, the greatest generation had to face World War I, the Depression, then World War II, and they lost so much. And I look at where we are right now, and we are a resilient people, uh, and we're made up of, uh, we're just so diverse. Uh, We come from all over the world. Um, As Americans, we are very Mm -hmm. diverse. So all of these things... Give me hope. And so I look for the small wins that I can find each and every day. And that's how I live my life. That's awesome. You know,
3: you you brought something that reminded me uh, a little bit ironic that people will say, um, you know, we're a nation of immigrants. And I find it that the people that come, my father was a first generation immigrant from Lebanon and he loves America, Mm. you know. And there's this idea that America has been, you know, and then we have our sins. We have our ugly marks against us. Nobody can deny that but people like you said it's a destination country and i think the people that come to here are the ones that are the most excited about the Mm -hmm. bill of rights and the constitution and the freedoms that they've gained from here you know so i'm really hoping they join us in trying to protect that freedom of speech my friend across the border across canada is a pastor and he's he has friends that are locked up in prison just for because of their beliefs and trying to stand up for what they believe in you know he doesn't feel very safe right now. You know, he's mm. lost his congregation and it's it's like we have a we have a nation just right on our northern border that is very much run like uh, China. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have a state-run media and I'm just like, man, are we following that down that road or are we going to fall back on our values, on our freedoms that are written into our constitution, you know? I just want to it just seems I, like we're at that point we can go one way or the other you know so i'm so i'm glad that there's men like you who are standing up yep. and women like you too and people who are, are trying to heal, you know, this nation and bring it back.
1: Well, and, so, the, other um, thing, yeah, and the other thing, yeah, uh, the other thing that you said too, Nathan, was that, you know, uh, you're in there to serve the people. And I think that's the thing that gets lost, you know. A lot of times, you know, you don't hear that from from politicians these days. I mean, even from just people that are working, supposed to be serving the
2: public, you know. Right, because it's really refreshing to hear, because a lot of politicians are in there to line their own pockets. So they're making policy that's going to line their pockets. And we saw it. Let- a lot during the COVID problem. Yeah. Is they were pushing things because they all have, a lot of them have stock in Moderna and Pfizer. And so they were making policy that would benefit them and not us. Yeah. I mean, I think people are just jaded. You know, the public is jaded, you know, because of stuff like that. Yeah, and and so it's and great to hear somebody who's yeah. going to say, hey, I'm here to serve you. What could I do? And they have, he has fantastic ideas. Yeah. Ideas that aren't popular because people aren't educated that this is what we really need to do.
1: And, and very knowledgeable, too. Um, and he smells nice. <laughs> <laughs> and he dresses well, too. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> when, when you're not doing you know, the uh, political thing, what, what do you like to do uh, on your off time? What, what does Nathan do when he's, is there any downtime? And, and uh, what do you like to do? Well, so I'll tell you
4: that uh, one of the things I got to do, uh, not this weekend, but the weekend prior is there was NASCAR in Las Vegas, and my Uh-oh. middle son uh, has just turned 16. So for his 16th birthday, he wanted, he wanted to go to NASCAR. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> We went to Las Vegas, and we got to spend the weekend there. We watched three races, the Truck Series, Xfinity, and then the Cup Series. And my son got to meet a whole bunch of those NASCAR drivers. So (laughs) I love spending time with my sons. I love spending time with my wife. Uh, with what I'm doing right now, this run is is taking me away from yeah. them quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, where I do have time to spend with them, at the end of the day, they have to be and they are my top priority. They are yeah. uh, my my boys are are ultimately my legacy, and I never want my boys to grow up and and uh, look at me and despise uh, you know what I did mm. and and maybe the lack of time that I spent with them. So before I jumped into all of this. I sat them down, and we talked about what would be involved, and my boys have always known me to be involved in government and politics, and so they're like, Dad, you got to do it. You got to do it. So um, when I do have downtime, I like to be with my family. I also get up early in the morning. I've got a bike I ride, and I'll ride around Millerton Lake early in the morning. I, oh, wow. I have a cyclocross bike, so that, uh, that's why I'm so skinny. Yeah. <laughs> buff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about buff, but definitely skinny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great.
3: Are your sons uh, Raider fans because of where they grew up, Fresno State, or did that translate over
4: to them? It did not, uh. Um, uh, the, the Raiders part. But I will say I've taken my oldest son to a couple of Raiders games at the Coliseum. I've not been to the the new stadium that was yeah. built in Las Vegas. Mm. And the the going to a Raiders game, if you haven't done it, you need to do it at yeah, least once. That's a, oh, that's a bucket
1: list item. It's a crazy experience, yeah. Well,
3: I was just going to break news. I don't know if anybody heard. Uh-oh. Devontae Adams is now a Raider. He's, re, he's joining really? back up in oh, Carr. Yeah. Oh, all yeah, right. It'll be exciting. All yeah. right. Uh, that's Awesome. Cool. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's, Marty uh, doesn't know, and Max uh, uh, doesn't know who Devontae uh, Adams is. Okay. Okay. I,
1: I, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I've been to a game down in LA when the Raiders were down there, and then also in Oakland, and yeah, two experiences I'll never forget. <laughs> Unbelievable.
2: So you're running for Congress, and I love everything that you've been saying. So what could people do to help you win the seat?
4: So first thing they can do is go to my website, which is nathanmagsig.com. On the website there, you can sign up for a yard sign. You can sign up to volunteer for my campaign. Ultimately, I am only going to get to Congress to the extent that the public believes in me, votes for me, and supports me. So, again, just going to that website, signing up, letting my team know how you want to be involved in
0: my campaign would be greatly appreciated. And uh, uh, I don't, I don't know if this is a, a subject that's off limits, but you are going up against another Republican, right? How is that uh, working out? Has that been? I guess I'll just I'll leave it at that. Have you seen any uh, pushback from other people? Like or, or yeah.
4: <laughs> well, so yes, there are actually multiple Republicans that I'm okay. going up against, and so how, how is it working out? Well, I'll say this: I'm not doing it because I have an issue with any of the Republicans mm. or the Democrat that are running for sure. this new seat. I'm doing it because over the course of the last 10 years things in my eyes are getting worse, not better. And yeah. around a lot of those topics that we talked about, forest management, water issues, agriculture, something has to be done because we're at a breaking point where just looking at farming right now because of the drought that we're in and the zero allocations that Westside farmers are getting mm. out, of, out of the delta here mm. in in Fresno County we may be facing as much as fifty percent of our agricultural lands having to be fallowed over the course of the mm-hmm. next ten or fifteen years because of something called the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. Mm-hmm. So, to me, Washington needs to fully engage. For me, food is a national security issue because if, under- yeah, I'm if you can't eat, if you can't eat, um, you know nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how much you make if you can't eat, and this region yep. feeds the world. So. I'm not running because I have issues with anyone else that's on the ballot with me. I'm running on issues, and that is it. I like that. It's a great Mm -hmm. answer. Yeah,
3: yeah. I don't. I've never understood that short-sightedness of let's take water away from the farmers (laughs) who are like you said. This this valley is feeds so much. Like I don't remember the percentage, but it's an amazing amount of percentage of agriculture
4: comes from. We need that high-speed rail that goes nowhere. (laughs) Right. right, (laughs) So let me put something in perspective for you the uh, nation of ukraine i want to say that they're the agricultural production that that comes out of that entire nation is about 20 billion dollars which is significant mm-hmm. fresno county one of 3069 counties in all of the united states we produce eight billion dollars in wow. agriculture from Jeez. this one county That's alone incredible. so uh ag is significant here it's significant for the whole central valley and if farmers Uh, have to fallow lands, there will be people somewhere that are starving. And so we need to be focusing on that. Well,
1: well now, what's that Sustainable Water Act? uh, Can you explain that?
4: Yeah, so in 2015, there was a a law called the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, which basically says that by the year 2040, plans have to be in place, and we have to begin to make sure that whatever is pumped out of the ground is put back. Mm. Well, really, the only way to do that is by building more dams mm-hmm. and building more storage. But a lot of uh, environmental groups out there are trying to stop storage projects. And so what the, what's happening right now, especially in drought, is there's not enough rain. There's not enough water behind a lot of our uh, uh, reservoirs. And so... Uh, it's becoming harder and harder to pump and eventually you mm-hmm. won't be able to pump what you can't put back and
2: so then you have to fallow more and more land yeah yeah. Mm. yeah with people like that who always say oh you shouldn't do this so well, what's your alternative I always want to ask them that what's your alternative to not building dams and you know being able to reclaim water you're just going to let it all run off to the sea and then everyone's going to die and that's going to be uh, is that <laughs> is that your plan ultimately that's what I want to ask them because they're crazy yeah um, I do have a question about the, you know, a lot of, I've heard
0: these arguments, where people say the, uh, the line that our water just flows out into the ocean is a lie. And I keep and people will keep on saying that to me and I go, it's not a lie. Uh, and then I go online and I find like legitimate articles. I'll find, um, like stuff from like, even like Cal Poly did a big thing about building dams and, or else it's just the water's running out. Do you? do you encounter people just telling you things like that just blatantly just being like that's not true and how do you fight that or how do you try to educate so yes
4: and (laughs) so how do i try to fight that or educate that so we were talking about forest management earlier and and i've had to fight against some groups that say that actually thinning the forest makes forest fires burn hotter and I'm like, oh. what yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, And they produce studies that are all theoretical, but they haven't been proven in the field. Sure. And so one of the things that we need to do is really take a look at some of these statements and studies that are being produced by different groups, because a lot of these studies have not mm. been actually uh, tested in the field. But because they're theoretical and no one's there to challenge them, um, pretty soon this gets repeated over and yeah. over again and everybody believes that it's true. Mm. So to your point, here's something that, that uh, is, is very interesting. A lot of the dams that have been built right now and the water that we're flowing through the delta is actually keeping a lot of saltwater intrusion um, out. And mm. if you go back 100 years ago, there used to be a lot more saltwater that actually was right. uh, in the delta. And we have changed habitat because we've we've built dams, but now today you you hear about environmental groups that uh, want to restore salmon runs and and they're they're trying to protect different fish um, and mm-hmm. some of those fish they're trying to protect aren't even native <laughs> to the delta, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but they're using the Endangered Species Act and different studies that have been done as again weapons to keep us from building more storage facilities or flowing more water to farmers in different regions that mm-hmm. may need it. So we need to. We need to spend a little bit more time really studying the issues. I think people here in California need to ask themselves questions. Is affordable housing important to them? Mm -hmm. Well, you can't build housing without materials, without water, And so politicians in Sacramento that talk about homelessness is, uh, you know, we need to uh, do more with homelessness or we need to do more with housing. Um, uh, We need to become a safer community. But yet some of the policies they pass limit materials, Mm. defund police. Um, their actions don't demonstrate what they truly are saying they Mm -hmm. want to do. So there is something that is amiss, and we need to be more focused as a public and community demanding that our elected officials just use common sense. It's very
3: similar to our gas prices right now being extremely high. We've stopped producing American, you know, Oil. Right. oil. But we still energy, need it. You know. So we're just buying it
0: from other people. Yeah. You know, It's
3: like, how does that make sense? You know? Yeah,
0: because fracking in other countries doesn't harm the environment, Justin.
1: Right. I'm surprised right. you didn't, surprised it you didn't har- know that. Doesn't harm the environment here, right?
4: <laughs> you know, right. I, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because I just posted something about this on Twitter. So in 1986, and this is according to um, the uh, California Energy Commission, 1986, Almost 100% of the oil used in California came from Alaska and California. Mm. So we have huge oil fields here. Mm -hmm. Bakersfield. Yeah, Bakersfield (laughs) is big. And actually Fresno County out in Kalinga. Oil fields that have been in operation for 100 years. Now, 20... This this data only goes to 2018, but by 2018, over 50% of oil is coming from regions like Iraq, Ecuador, Saudi Arabia, and other foreign regions like Russia. People that we
3: want to support, yeah, Yeah. with their policies. Yeah, let's keep
2: on giving money to Iran and Russia. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. (laughs) So a lot of people get their information from like ABC News and, you know, they have their whole, all the corporate news have their own narrative that they're trying to sell us. And you're very in a, you're a very intelligent man and you bring up a lot of valid points. Where do you get your information from?
4: You know, there is no one source where where I gather my information. So, you know, I'll use the internet like anyone else. There are different publications that I get. Wall Street Journal, I think has uh, has some great articles. The Economist has some great articles. So, I would really challenge your listeners to not get information from a single source. Mm-hmm. Um uh, dive deep into different topics and issues. Some of this stuff you can get right from um, like the California Energy Commission. They've got amazing information on just a production of oil um, right here in California. And on that particular topic, if we were to pump more oil out of California, it wouldn't produce any more pollution because we're burning the fuel anyways, but it would create more jobs. Exactly. And the, yeah, the yeah. oil that's here in California is actually cleaner than a lot of the oil that comes from other countries that exactly. needs to be refined more. It's more impure, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of sulfur content in other um, oils that are pumped from foreign nations, where here we've got lighter, sweeter crude, especially coming
1: out of Texas. So, we, I heard it tastes like honey. Uh, <laughs> Um, tastes like chicken. Okay, come on. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> well, and, and I know Nathan uh, didn't want to embarrass us, but he did tell me before that he gets a lot of his information from the No Focus Radio. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Wow, well, that is pro. That is very <laughs> true. Just, Just kidding. Just kidding.
3: Uh, I will say, I know we're getting we're running uh, up yeah. here on the hour. Uh, Four minutes. We have, uh, I had the opportunity, uh, Nathan and I attend the same church, and uh, I had uh, one of his sons um, since I serve as uh, one of the youth pastors there. And I can tell you his son, Mark, did the best floss. Remember the floss that was really popular? Oh, I am pretty good at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He could do that at the speed of light. I've never <laughs> really? seen anyone. He would just break that out. Yeah, it was wow. amazing. So if you get on the campaign trail, I would recommend that, you know, as a... Uh, I'll a take TikTok? that under advisement. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah
4: put it TikTok. on TikTok, yeah, yeah. you'll be huge. <laughs> hey, speaking, I,
1: speaking of that, since you guys go to the same church, uh, is there any stories you'd like to uh, give us uh, about Dawn here? Uh, oh, no. <laughs>
2: well, well, you know, uh, mum is the word. Right. Okay, okay, right. okay, okay, okay. That's so, right. so how could people who are interested in mm-hmm. your, your political run, how could they follow you and get information? Yeah, what
4: are you? the links? So I'll tell you, on on Facebook, I have a couple of different pages. So one of them is just Nathan Magsig. So if you search that, um, that's a, I put a lot of information out through that uh, avenue. And then also I have another page that's Magsig for Congress. And then I've got a personal page, which I maxed out on followers on that one. So probably go with the other two. On Twitter, I'm Nathan Magsig CA. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can go that route. And on Instagram, just uh, search for Magsig for Congress, and you will find me on Instagram. But I, I love using Facebook and Facebook Live videos. Uh, the the platform has been fantastic for me. Now, I will say a lot of the younger generation out there does not use Facebook mm. anymore. So I mm. I do need to venture out a little bit more and uh, and use TikTok. But Instagram's been a, a pretty solid tool for me to get information out there as well. Yeah.
3: And I've seen, I get your emails. I've seen there's, there's a couple like live events
4: coming up where people can gather. Do you have any a couple of those that you want to tell our listeners about? So again, I would encourage you if, if uh, I have a sign up on my email list through NathanMagSig.com. We have numerous events. Just last night I had an event where people could come out, grab signs, we got dozens of signs out to people throughout. Fresno County and Madera County. So I will be um, in the district in all eight counties over the course of the next month. I will be in every county multiple wow. times. Mm. So the best thing to wow. do is just to sign up on my email list, NathanMagSig.com, and you will get information from my campaign, where I'll be, how you can talk to me. I'm very easy to get a hold of. So if you want to shoot me a message, a private message through Facebook or Instagram, you can do that. And I'm happy to answer you any questions you have. are very easy. Uh,
3: you were telling a story before we didn't get into it, but I know we're, we're running up here, but someone during the fire called you and you called them right back to, to tell them about their house. He's like, I saw you in front of my house. And yeah. Yeah. So,
4: so. I, yeah. So I was doing Facebook live videos and I was going up Auberry Road and this person had heard that their home had just been lost hours earlier. And I went by their home and it was still there. So they called and they're like, you're at my house. And there were a couple of small fires. And so um, uh, the, the fire chief, I was with him. He was out there putting out these small fires, but the home had been saved. Can you imagine what it would be like thinking that your home has just been lost and then to be able to see a video and recognize that <laughs> your home was saved yeah, so I can yeah, only imagine insane. a roller coaster yeah. of emotions yeah no kidding well we, have,
3: we, we I can't say how much we appreciate you yep. being here yeah. and we're rooting for you you are the definition of a, of a servant leader and uh, we just uh, we appreciate everything you do
0: yeah Nathan really appreciate it thanks for coming on the show and everybody yeah, all you. the links to NathanMagsig.com uh, the Facebook Magsig for Congress the Twitter the Instagram they're all All in the show notes, check it out. Um, swing by my house. I will have the sign out front. I just (laughs) signed up. So get your signs. Um, whether you're in district five, and if you're not, make them and uh do them yourself. Put them out there, move to district five, and (laughs) vote mag sig for Congress. Um, thank you again, sir. And we uh everybody else, um yeah, tune in next time. Yeah, thank you. Another episode, stimulating episode (laughs) of the No Focus Radio Hour. Remember, five stars is Is the correct correct number of stars. stars. Tell your friends, uh, remember to subscribe, leave a review, check us out. We are also now, every episode is uh, streaming. the day after on YouTube. So check that out. Um, Audio only, so you don't get to see our pretty faces. I apologize. Uh, Thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Peace.